This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Over the past few decades, women have made major strides in catching up to their male counterparts in many areas of life. Unfortunately, one of those is alcohol abuse. We'll have the sobering story. We're seeing a closing gender gap in terms of alcohol abuse or risky drinking. Women in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and so on. Then, we often hear about deadbeat dads in the inner city. But one expert says that term isn't accurate. The more we can work to build that father-child bond the more motivation men will have to straighten up and do the right thing in other domains of their lives. Those two interviews, and much more, are heading your way as we begin our 10th year of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. As the years have gone by, Women have made major strides in catching up to men in many areas of life. Unfortunately, one of those is problem drinking. With the sobering facts, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Ann Dowsett-Johnston. She's an award-winning journalist and the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. I think many people would be surprised to learn that alcohol abuse among women is on the rise. Can you just outline the scale of the problem for us? Yeah, we're seeing a closing gender gap in terms of alcohol abuse or risky drinking on the part of women all throughout the developed world. With some extremes such as Britain, where there's almost parity between men and women, young women getting end-stage liver disease in their 20s. So we're seeing this happen to women in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and so on. And the head-scratcher here is why. Men have been ahead of women for so long, and men are slightly on the decline in most of the developed world, but women show no sign of slowing down. Now, you have a personal story regarding this topic. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, this book is part memoir, part journalistic exploration of this subject. I was a professional, highly educated woman who never missed a day of work, never cracked up a car. In other words, didn't look like what many would think of a classic alcoholic, and I got into trouble in my 50s with alcohol. I had been a regular drinker, someone who would drink a glass or two, after she got home from work, as she prepared dinner and oversaw homework, etc., and when I hit a rough patch in my 50s, that switched into three or four glasses of wine, which became five, and I knew I had a problem and I headed to rehab. I figure I'm the poster girl, sadly, for a certain kind of risky drinking, which is a professional, educated woman getting into trouble. That's very different from the kind of trouble that my mother got into trouble in the 60s, she was your classic 60s poster girl, I figure. She was a person who mixed Valium and cocktails and drank during the day and looked very, very different, a stay-at-home mom. But mine was and is, I think, a classic face for this era. We're seeing women who are more educated, more professional, getting into trouble. And it isn't what people generally think of as an alcoholic. Can you give us a definition of binge drinking? Binge drinking for women is different than for men. It's four drinks on any one occasion at any time in the last month and typically is four drinks over a period of 
a number of hours, but the classic binge drinking performance for most people who binge drink is six drinks on any one occasion, but the definition is four. Five for men, four for women. You touched on this a little bit, but tell us a little about the demographics. Who is the average binge drinker or alcohol abuser among women today? It's hard to say the average. We see that a lot goes wrong now in campus behavior. We can look back to the mid-1990s when the alcohol spirits industry started focusing on young women. They looked around the world and said, how do we catch up with beer? And they realized we have to get the female drinker. We have to catch up with this gender. And they invented the Alcopop. Those are those sweetly vodka-infused or rum-infused prepackaged drinks like Mike's Hard Lemonade and Smirnoff Ice. And they attracted the young teenage drinker who then evolved into a vodka drinker. So when you're on a campus and you see young men and women playing drinking games, the young guy is usually drinking beer and the young woman is doing shots. This is not a level playing field. Those young women have evolved into vodka drinkers in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And when they get into trouble is anyone's guess and a very individual thing. But typically we're seeing women drink more vodka. So think of the highly feminized marketplace of skinny girl vodka, wines with names like mummy juice, cupcake, French rabbit. These aren't products aimed at men. They're definitely aimed at women. And women have risen to the challenge and have driven sales. Our guest on InfoTrack is Anne Dowsett-Johnston. She's the author of a book called Drink, the Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. Anne, you devote an entire chapter to the consequences of drinking young. What are some of those consequences? Well, you know, demographically, women and men are equal, but we are not in terms of hormones and metabolism when it comes to alcohol. We see, for instance, in young drinkers, drinkers who are under the age of 24, extreme cognitive damage from drinking too much, permanent cognitive damage. As you age, the health problems that women need to be aware of is 15%, that's 1-5% of all breast cancer cases are alcohol-related. Both men and women have strokes, but women tend to have them earlier and more often from alcohol-related causes. Women become addicted to alcohol much faster than do men. So it isn't a level playing field. This is something that I'm just hoping that we start to have a conversation about much as we did with tobacco. I'm not trying to be a killjoy or a prohibitionist by any stretch of the imagination. I certainly enjoyed my fair share of alcohol in my life. But I do think we need to understand the downside of alcohol much as we understand the downside of tanning beds and trans fats. It's just a conversation we should be having as an educated public. In addition to education, what else would you like to see happen to deal with this problem? I'd like to see the alcohol companies not using social media to target young drinkers. I think that too much advertising is available and not age-gated properly when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, and it's not regulated. I think it's really questionable to target the underage drinker, and I think there's no question that this is happening. So I'd like to see big changes in alcohol marketing. I think all fair after a certain age, but that I'll be very clear on. The other thing I'd like to see is I think alcohol is too cheap. 
often when you go into a gas station or a corner store, it's the cheapest beverage on sale. It's cheaper than bottled water. It can be cheaper than orange juice and milk. That's not right. Alcohol taxes haven't increased in the United States since 1991. There's something wrong with that picture. So from a public health standpoint, we know that this is emerging as a public health issue. I think we really need to look at public policy and the levers that are pretty easy to push on to make dangers disappear. And what would you say to parents who are sending their youngsters off to college, particularly young girls, as that's what we're talking about here, they send them off to college and feel like, well, they're kind of an adult now, there's not much I can do. What should parents be doing to hopefully head off this sort of a problem? The number one thing they should do is have a conversation before that young son or daughter heads off to university. This generation tends to think young people will be young people. This is a rite of passage. I can't do anything about it. My opinion doesn't matter. That just is plainly not the truth. There's an expert called Rob Carisi who has proven otherwise, and he has a handbook for parents for a conversation to have in the last year of high school. And I think his advice is well heeded. That's number one. Number two is the whole pro-sipping movement. I will give my son or daughter a sip of alcohol as young as grade three, believe it or not, so that they won't be a risky drinker when they're a teenager. That's just been proven to be nonsense. Pro-sipping, because we will be more like the Italian or the French, just doesn't work. And again, I'm not a prohibitionist, but there is such a thing as having an adult conversation and talking about the downside of our favorite drug. As we all know, alcohol is the number one date rape drug. We've known that for some time. We're now seeing very, very high BACs, blood alcohol levels, in especially young women who are taken to emergency. A lot of pre-drinking going on in this generation. This generation doesn't drink and drive the way others did, but they pre-drink, which means they load up on alcohol before they head out for the evening, which means they're beginning the party with more alcohol in their system. So we're seeing a real alcogenic culture, and the conversation's important to have. I'm hoping that a more open dialogue will move us forward. Only time will prove whether I'm right or not. And Dowsett Johnston, the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. And do you have a website where people can learn more? Yes, com. Well, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thanks a lot. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, an expert says there have been big changes with dads in the inner city. The eye-opening story, coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.